0: Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Praveen Aki Raju, who is a managing director at Insight Partners based in San Francisco Bay Area. He brings a product and operational lens to investing um, in passionate entrepreneurs who seek to challenge the status quo in areas of automation, data plate platforms, DevOps, and infrastructure software. So prior to Insight, um, Praveen actually served as a managing partner at the SoftBank Vision Fund where he led the enterprise and SaaS investment practice. And before that, he was CEO of Viptela Incorporated, a SaaS platform for Enterprise Edge, and also CEO of VCE, an enterprise cloud infrastructure company. Welcome to the show today, Praveen. Thank you, Jaden. Pleasure to be here. Super excited to have you on the show. I wanted to kick this off. I'm going to ask you a little bit about your background specifically. I mean, I guess the first thing is, did you always know you, know you were kind of interested in tech and in this space of investing and whatnot? Or is this something that you kind of discovered throughout your, your career and your journey? Like, Talk to us a little bit about your journey to, to becoming where you're at now. Yeah,
1: indeed. Um, so I was fortunate to start my career at the advent of the Internet age, if you will, uh, the early days of the Internet. Um, and so at Cisco, where I started my career, we, uh, we were a pioneering company that built um, the Internet infrastructure. So I got to see sort of the entire economy that we take for granted today uh, okay. built from the bottoms up. And yeah. as part of that journey, I got to play many different roles. Um, I was an engineering. Uh, I was a product manager. Uh, and as I kind of uh, got to run some of the larger businesses, that on both on the service provider and the enterprise side, um, I ended up on the investment committee at Cisco, where, uh, as you know, Cisco um, it was a pretty prolific sort of uh, acquirer of startups and yeah. technology, and so uh, I got to sort of get a front row seat in the thought process uh, at, of sort of how technology gets built, and just the whole sort of you know build versus buy. You know, are a large company. Uh, when do you go acquire companies? You know, how do startups actually deliver value? Uh, and so it got me really intrigued into this sort of um, uh, the startup ecosystem. Uh, and so as my career progressed uh and I transitioned out of Cisco, uh, I ended up at VIPTela, which basically was a bottoms-up startup where we were, you know, building a SaaS platform. Um, you know, it was like a 40 person team. Okay. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. So I got to basically uh transition from sort of the the large corporate environment to, to more of a startup environment. And I would say that was the one of the hardest jobs that I ever did <laughs> uh, managing a small company uh, because you know it's uh you know it, it's a lot of fun and it's also uh, you know you' uh, it's a highway act in, in yeah. many ways and so I think that that experience of kind of building businesses both within large companies as well as uh, you know as a startup uh, you know scaling the business and eventually we, we did get acquired um, so gave me a pretty good perspective of you know how technology and products get built, uh, deliver. You know, how do you compete in markets and such like? So, when I, uh, you know, when I kind of wrapped up at VibTela post our acquisition, um, you know, one of the things that sort of I really wanted to do was to kind of take a step back and look at the broader ecosystem, the broader picture uh, of how technology was evolving. This was um, in the 2017, twenty seventeen twenty eighteen timeframe, uh, and we were at the cusp of AI, and at that time, AI was really all about sort of predictive AI and you know computer vision and, and uh, application of computer vision, things like autonomous vehicles and such like. So uh, I was really intrigued uh, to be able to kind of go spend time with founders and understand that that side of the equation better. Uh, so that's kind of when I transitioned to the investing side uh, at SoftBank and then eventually sort of ended up at Inside, where I've been here for the last uh, three plus years, primarily focusing on you know the areas that uh, you talked about earlier.
0: Very, very interesting. Yeah. And a, an incredible background. What, you know, what I'd be curious to to know from you is, you know, how is your experience as CEOs, both at Viptel and also VCE, right? You said these are two of the, the hardest jobs you did um, running startups and whatnot, but how has your experience as CEO kind of influenced your perspective on investing and in AI startups?
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. I think, um, you know, you realize uh, when you're sort of running uh, a company um, and, and you know, running a startup, it really, you know, there's so many variables that determine success, right? Yeah. It's not just the, the the quality of the idea or the, the quality of the market that you're in. Um, you know, it's all of those combined with the team, combined with sort of, you know, key decisions, how you make them, combined with kind of the investors you decide to work with and how they help you. Uh, and of course, you know, a slice of luck, right? All of this kind of combines together to be able to make for success. So when you sit on the investing side of the table uh, and you know from my perspective, having sort of you know earned my scars in the back if you will, yeah. uh, made mistakes and 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 been you know been in the hot seat, uh, you know you get to sort of um, you get a better sense of understanding of you know what's really driving uh, a founder uh, you know when they kind of step forward and and, and start this company. Right, um, and and I think you you allow yourself to kind of you, because you understand the variability here, you're not looking for like one amazing thing that that makes a decision on what is the company that we want to invest in, or this is the founder we want to invest in. Uh, you also allow yourself to kind of um, you know let the founder kind of discover that journey. So some of these pieces are not fully defined, right, in at the early stage. So uh, you know you know. Uh, because, you know, I've been down that path, like, you know, there'll be certain aspects, certain decisions that are not clear till you get to a certain point in time. So um, it really kind of builds uh, a much more holistic way of looking at, um, you know, an investment opportunity and a founder. And, you know, once we make the investment as well, I think um, you obviously respect a founder's uh, journey, right? And, you know, my journey will be different from, uh, you know, founder's journey that right? has as different points in time, different you know, different variables involved. So you respect that. And so you try to help where you can add the most value, right? As opposed yeah. to sort of uh, trying to replicate what you've done. So I think there's a sense of sort of better, deeper understanding of the process of building a company and what it takes for a company to be successful. And also, you know, when things go sideways, as they do, like to start up, you know, you, you have a better sense of like, look, you know, uh, the sun will rise tomorrow morning. It's not the end of the world, and you know. I think you you get a better sense of both helping the founder through that through that particular situation, also as well as an investor, making sure that you're not, you know, um, you know, panicking or you're trying to put more pressure on mm. a situation where they're already sort of working through stuff, right?
0: Yeah. No, I think that's those are some really great insights. Um, and then I guess specifically, kind of looking at those founders that you mentioned, right? what are some of the key traits you look for in, you know, founders or entrepreneurs that are kind of aiming to disrupt fields? I know you kind of focus on like automation, data platforms, DevOps, infrastructure, software, that kind of stuff. So what are some of the key traits of uh, founders and entrepreneurs that you're looking for?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, one of the, for me, really the most important thing is the way that a founder tells the story. Um, Mm. And, you know, the important thing that, that in my mind sort of defines uh, a key variable of success for a startup uh, is really how deeply they understand the customer, right? And, mm-hmm. and why the whatever it is that they're building, right, um, really resonates with, 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 with a customer and how the customer derives value. So when I listen to a founder, I listen very carefully about sort of how they tell the story. You know, if they're talking about like, you know, anecdotes of customers, right? Problems from a customer point of view, you know, and the customer is kind of weaved into every aspect of their narrative that gives me a sense of, okay, here's a founder um, who obviously has, you know, phenomenal technology background, right, or, or what have you, but more than anything else, they fundamentally understand the customer, the the problem, and how a customer will derive value from whatever it is that they're building. Because, mm-hmm. you know, success for a startup is really, as we talked about, multiple different variables. One of the, one of the key variables really is, you know, their ability to connect with customers uh, in a meaningful way and and ensure that they are realistic about how a customer will derive value from the product that they're building so mm-hmm. any understanding of that at a at a profound level is really sort of from my perspective the most important thing that I look for
0: very cool yeah no i think that that's incredibly important i love your focus there on customers because at the end of the day you know we all know founders are people that have great ideas or a vision for something but The amount of the startups that have pivoted is obviously insane and if you don't have that product market fit if you don't really understand the customer um you know you're kind of just building in the dark um something i would be curious to to know is when you're looking at some of these frameworks around you know venture capital and and everything going on today how do you see the role of kind of venture capital evolving especially in today's ai landscape where ai is getting integrated into everything there's a lot of big shifts happening how do you see the kind of the role of venture capital evolving or maybe what are some of the changes you you think may come
1: yeah I mean I think um, I, I'm a late comer to the to the investing game if you will right uh, you know I've sort of transitioned to investing after a long career as an operator mm-hmm. so you know, my, my perspective obviously um, it would would be from that from that angle yeah. so you know I think the way um, you know we are right now in sort of a, a challenging economic environment. Uh, yeah. I've seen a couple of these cycles on the operating side uh uh-huh. you know when where we went through the 2008 sort of recession uh and the impact that had and, and so i think as a venture investor you know the they they're, the journey starts when you actually write the check right the journey mm-hmm. doesn't I don't like you know you don't celebrate when you when you get a, when you invest in a company and I, it, it's phenomenal you get you're excited about the opportunity to work with the founder but truly the journey starts at that point because mm-hmm. you know the Founder is looking at you as as a partner uh, yeah. and as somebody who's going to kind of um, it, you know obviously be there for you through the through the ups and downs, but more importantly, sort of um, you know as a, a, a contribute to the effort. Right, you're part of the mm-hmm. team now. Yeah, you're not sitting on a board just kind of watching things and, and uh, you know essentially uh, participating in a board meeting, but you know you you are part of the team. And uh, you participate as the founder wants you to participate, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I think um, what that means for me, if i kind going to break that down, um, you know, it's really sort of e- each of us as investors bring our own point of view. Uh, so yeah. I'm a product uh, and a, an a engineering background. So, you know, I, I, I can contribute to a conversation on product strategy, uh, you know, scaling teams, right? These are things that I've done. So uh, what I tried to do with, with, with my founders is basically say, like, hey, here's sort of, uh, here's kind of where I, I'm coming from. This is kind of my background, right? Here's kind of what Insight uh, can offer to you, right? And we have uh, a pretty extensive set of resources mm-hmm. that tap into. It's part of the reason why I actually uh, joined Insight as opposed to a couple of other opportunities that I was looking at. Okay. Um, and so, and then you sort of you know, build a relationship of trust with a founder, where they feel comfortable enough to come to you and say, like, "Hey, I need uh, I need help in in these particular spaces." And and so you know, where is end of the spectrum? You're everything from uh, obviously you know a capital provider to uh, you know a product strategist to you know helping them with hiring to you know being a, a therapist, just kind of walking through difficult situations, <laughs> right? Yeah, you play different roles. Um, but you know, the most important thing is that you have to first establish trust with the yeah. founder in, in a way that they understand how you can help them. And you're respectful of sort of how you engage uh, with them, irrespective of what your background is. And and I think that's that's sort of the way I see you know my role right as a as an investor.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean I think it's funny you mentioned being a therapist I, so often. I think there's a lot of different roles that venture capital venture capitalists are playing today. Um, and of course, the reason for that is because there's a lot of challenges in startups. Specifically, what I'd love to ask you about is you know from your perspective and what you're kind of seeing, maybe some of your portfolio companies are companies that are coming across your desk, uh, what are some of the most common challenges that AI startups are having today, Um, you know, specifically for some of these AI startups and how do you think that they can overcome these?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the first thing I'll say is, um, you know, AI in startups, right, as part of sort of products and technologies has been been around for for a while, right? I mean, the AI revolution didn't start uh, in whatever, November 2022 and uh, it was (laughs) a Uh, though it, you know, the, the engagement and and obviously it's caught the imagination of, uh, you know, of the world at large. So um, I, I think from from my perspective, really, uh, if I were to think about AI, AI is really a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I go back to sort of first principles, which is, you know, how are you solving the customer's problem, and how is the customer deriving value? And and and, and I think a lot of sort of the 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 challenge with AI, right, uh, or, or sort of a challenge, but the challenge or opportunity. Is really to understand deeply how AI can further help a company uh, engage with their customers in a meaningful way, or deliver value to their customers in a meaningful way, in a better way than the way mm-hmm. the way they were doing it in the past. If those two don't check out, then there's no reason for you to be using AI, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important thing to, to understand. AI in and of itself is is not sort of go, you know doesn't it's a, it's a technology um, yeah. and and so how you use it. To deliver value is kind of where the rubber meets the road. So, well, I think um, when we kind of look at startups in, in this particular domain, um, you know, I have in, in my portfolio, for example, in insights portfolio at large, a lot of companies that have been leveraging AI, uh, you know, for automation, for natural language processing, OCR, right, computer vision, um, you know, predictive analytics, like all of these things, which are essentially uh, uh, a different generation of AI, are already incorporated into the platform. So the generative side of things, which is obviously the the current sort of transition, if you're current wave of AI, um, allows startups to essentially create a much better user interface, much simpler user interface, you know, Mm -hmm. like using natural language to ask questions or replacing custom dashboards with, uh, you know, generative AI potentially creating, uh, you know, creating to uh, presenting the information the way you want it. So I think... um, what, what we're trying to help our startups with is to really uh, help them, uh, you know, just think through this process of, uh, you know, how is the addition of AI or, you know, the enhancement of the AI capability that you have in the platform, helping you differentiate yourself in the market uh, with the better product and better value proposition for customers. And I think that really, it comes down to that. AI is a tool. It's not, you know, sort of an end, an end in itself, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that's... Uh... Some really good insights into that. Um, something I would be curious, you know, of course you mentioned this AI revolution, it didn't just start recently. This has been ongoing for a long time, but it does seem to be accelerating and maybe it's just we're, we're more aware of what's, exce- you know, the acceleration, but it seems everyone being interested in it. Now everyone's, you know, the, the all the companies are kind of focused on building on it. Something I'd ask is, you know, as AI continues to grow, what are some areas of opportunity that you're the most excited about for the next, you know, kind of wave of these AI or startups and and kind of the field.
1: yeah, Um, yeah, and you're right. I think um, you know clearly this sort of generation of AI um, connects with the end user in a much more profound way than let's say a predictive analytics you know engine that's kind of doing risk predictions or failure Mm -hmm. predictions. uh, You know that's not quite visible, not you know something that you as a Mm -hmm. consumer or Uh, Even a knowledge worker can engage with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The the fact that the generative side, the natural language interfaces it enables, uh, is 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 profound. So I can see like three areas where you know um, this generation of AI is going to be, you know, significantly sort of transformative. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if you think about sort of the best product market fit today for a generative AI product, it's the coding co-pilots, right? Yeah. Um, You know, those are. Uh, you know for for a experienced programmer and it's not for the novice right um, it, it truly is game changing in terms of your productivity and so we you know we've heard from a lot of CIOs that uh, as these coding copilots get deployed they're seeing you know anywhere from 20 to 30% productivity improvements in in their amongst their engineers so mm-hmm. that's a clear use case it delivers value it delivers a you know, significantly better experience for developers and it's being rolled out at scale in a lot of companies, right? Good. So I think that that's almost the the most optimal product market fit um, that that you have today for a generative AI product. Uh, the other area, obviously, is in the in the space of kind of um, you know copy generation, right? So mm. uh, you know you just saw Writer, which is one of our companies, by the way, raised a big
0: ground last week. Yeah, um, I did a podcast on that. Very exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it, and that's because they can deliver immediate value, right? You know, productivity. Uh, for for marketing professionals as well as the function as a whole. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's another clear area where um, output is being generated um, and AI is helping accelerate that process, right? With a human in the loop, right? Making making things uh, much more efficient, much more faster, much more accurate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, an, that's another area. The third area I think is really sort of um, where we're still in the exploratory stage, um, mm-hmm. but we see a lot of sort of um, uh, efforts in the space is really about data extraction, summarization, right? Uh, because this is another uh, superpower of uh, generative AI. Um, so you know you can think about like examples where um, you know if you're doing if you're doing research on a new drug, being able to kind of um, uh, study inter- drug interactions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you might have this content spread out in multiple different research papers or document, you know, or publications of, the, of different drug providers, being able to synthesize all of that and help a human researcher accelerate their process of figuring out, right in a good amount of detail these interactions and where they need to focus their research on. So this whole sort of data extraction um, and summarization uh, and as a as kind of a, a, a part of a, a business process, I think is another area where we see, I think a lot of experimentation happening across different verticals. and you know, it could be pharmaceuticals, could be automobile, Right, could be you know just even data synthesis, you know, things like named entity extraction. I think is going to be um, you know pretty significant, right? Um, and then the 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 other area is automation, um, mm-hmm. automation of workflows. Um, and, and you know you've had sort of a generation of uh, you know business process automation out there for a while, uh, RPA companies, you know that that have been out there for a while. I think um, generative AI is transformational in this space. And primarily because I think you had a lot of these like no-code, low-code ways of approaching automation, which yeah. could potentially, uh, and still, instead of TBD being worked out, right, replaced by a natural language interface. So, you know, the sort of utopia of this of this kind of technology is that you can describe an automation, you as a knowledge worker might say, hey, you know, uh, sc- scrape my LinkedIn for everyone with a founder title, uh, you know, sort them by, geog- put them into a Google Doc. Sort them by geography or by, you know, area like AI um, mm. and, and send uh, that list uh, to my teammates in a Slack, right? Mm. And you might describe that in natural language and, uh, you know, you should be able to basically build that automation and have it executed, right?
0: Yes. Um, so. so
1: I think that's the, you know, th- that's a transformational way where we see like, pro- I mean, I gave you a knowledge worker example, but they're much more complex workflows in the enterprise, that could potentially be yeah. transformed. So those are yeah. some of the areas. I mean, there's a lot more, but you know, uh, th- this is where I, I see a lot of very interesting things happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that. I totally agree with you. These product workflows and automating that is going to be so key. I'm currently, you know, working on some some similar projects in this space, and just see some incredible opportunity there. Praveen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for sharing your insights everything you're seeing in the space. Um absolutely incredible to, you know, to be able to hear from you. Once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um to the listener, thank you so much for tuning into the AI Chat podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have an amazing rest of your day.